Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of Krista Voskowski. Krista is an intuitive coach, professional writer, business strategist, and boss witch. She helps women get organized, get motivated, and get their groove back. Her mission is to inspire women to get loud and live life by their own rules so they can reduce stress right from the heart, build wildly profitable businesses, and wake up every day feeling powerful AF. In today's interview, Krista and I talk about harnessing the unique power of writing to heal work through energy blocks, and magnetically attract anything you desire. I know you're going to love this episode, regardless of whether you have a writing practice currently in your life or not. I have a feeling you're going to be really inspired to pick up pen and paper after today's episode. Let's dive in. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So 
everyone just heard a little bit about you, but I'd love for them to get to know you better. Can you tell us just a little bit about your journey and how you ended up as the real boss witch? Yes. So it's a long and winding story, (laughs) but I have always had a way with words. Um, my mom used to say when I was like four, I could glamour my way into anything. So like <laughs> I had the vocabulary of a 30-year-old in a four-year-old's body. So I could yeah. talk my way into anything. But essentially, I went into business for myself um, after grad school, um, basically out of necessity. I really wanted to create my own business so I could be my own boss and really travel anywhere and and sort of live life on my own terms. And I was helping people with marketing. I was, I was working with all sorts of different small businesses, but it wasn't feeling quite as fulfilling as I hoped it would. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to come back to my spirituality and come back to my zone of genius, which has always been writing. So I received, uh, well, I earned a bachelor's in professional writing from Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont. Mm -hmm. I graduated in 09. And then I went on to get an MFA from Emerson College in Boston. And I studied um, nonfiction writing and I wrote a memoir, which is yet to be published. (laughs) But um, having had so much experience just writing in all of these different formats, whether it's book length, um, manuscripts or articles, poetry, um, mm-hmm. op-eds, things like that. It, it blog posts, um, even down to like Facebook and Instagram captions, you know, yeah. um, I realized that this writing skill is something that not everyone has, which sometimes I took for granted. So, mm-hmm. um, I decided to really turn back to that and be like, you know, I want to share this gift with the world. I could really do this. And I, yeah. So I sort of merged my, my business and my witchy spirituality and, and my skills just to help people. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were naturally like words came to you fairly easily. Do you feel like people though, like are sometimes kind of born with this gift of writing, but can also learn it or where do you stand there? I honestly think that anyone can become an amazing writer and the key is to just practice and read So the best way we can learn to become better writers is to start reading. And I was very lucky that my parents um, really prioritized reading at a young age for me. I was encouraged to read anything and everything from kids books to National Geographic to street signs. You know, I, even if I didn't understand what I was reading, at least I was practicing. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to expand my vocabulary, which allowed me to express myself mm-hmm. um, more accurately, which I think is what kids have a lot of trouble with when they're young, when they're having a very complex feeling, but they can't quite describe it because they don't have the words for it. Yeah. Um, so I think anyone can start from anywhere and become a great writer and share their truth in the most accurate way possible. Mm -hmm. Um, the, but it is like working a muscle. It's similar to going to the gym or if you want to be a singer, you have to sing a little bit every day to make sure your vocal cords are in shape. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the same with writing and 
uh, daily practice is so invaluable to that. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, so there's so many ways to express ourselves. One, one is writing and there's obviously many other ways, but I find that sometimes it's easier for me to sit down with a notebook or even just a note section on my phone and write something versus trying to verbalize it. Like I, sometimes I just feel like getting it on paper is easier than me trying to say it out loud sometimes. And I'm sure there's other people who feel the opposite. They're like, don't put a piece of paper in front of me. I just want to talk it out. But for me, I feel like sometimes having that piece of paper in front of me is so healing to be able to get clear on how I'm actually feeling versus if I were to try and vocalize it. Sometimes it comes out like really mumbled jumbled. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I meet clients and writers and wannabe writers all the time who say like, if I, I'm in front of the screen and the blinking cursor, like it intimidates me or I, or I freeze up. And then other people are like, I don't want to go live on my Facebook page or I don't want to record myself speaking, but I'm more comfortable Mm -hmm. writing it out. And a lot of that has to do with the science of how our brains function. Mm -hmm. So, um, as most of your listeners probably know the prefrontal cortex, which is up around your forehead, like that part of your brain is what you use to um, contemplate your existence. You, you can make uh, thoughtful decisions. You're, you're, it's kind of where all the logic lives. Um, but the back part of your brain is what we call like the lizard brain or monkey brain. Um, that's what controls uh, the fight or flight um, situation. So the cool part here, and, and I, I was listening to Brene Brown's recording of Rising Strong as a Spiritual Practice recently, mm-hmm. and she quoted um, a researcher from the University of Texas, Austin. He's uh, a man named James Pennybacker. And he's been studying there for over 40 years, specifically focusing on healing trauma through writing. And what he says is that the men and women who write about trauma or write about their feelings or write about whatever's going on inside of them tend to heal profoundly faster than those who choose not to write about it. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with the physical process of putting pen to paper and taking all of those emotions, reactions, feelings, thoughts, everything, pulling it out of the fight or flight center, and then putting it down on paper and re-implanting it in the logical part of the brain so we can process it from a different perspective. It kind of, mm-hmm. um, the way Brene Brown describes it is it, it gets your prefrontal cortex back online. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're plugging back in and you're thinking from your logical center, which um, once I heard that, I was like, oh, no wonder I've always loved this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've never heard it described that way, but I'm having the aha moment over here too, where I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that makes so much sense. And it helps to be able to kind of like get it out and look at it outside of your brain on the piece of paper mm-hmm. to make logical sense of your feelings. I know for me, especially after my brother passed, which is something I've talked about openly on the show many times, but it, I 
have a journal somewhere in here. <laughs> it's this little purple journal that every day after he passed, I wrote to him. And mm. so I would just, you know, it would start Dear Jordan. And I would just write. And like some days it was really, really hard, really, really hard. And other days it was like, you know what, today was okay. And I told them, you know, like what was fun and what was good. And other days it was like, I missed the fucking shit out of you. Like, why did you do this? Why did you, and there was, there was anger, there was sadness, there was excitement, there was celebration, there was courage. Like there were just so many emotions that were coming out as I was writing to him. And I kept that up for like every day for a couple months after his passing. And then I started to fall out of the practice, but now I just will like occasionally write him a random letter. It's just not on that same notebook. So I'd love to hear from you. How has writing been healing or part of your own healing journey? What role has it played? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing that because that practice of writing to your brother sounds so cathartic and it sounds so beautiful. And I could see that transforming into a piece or, or a collection of essays that could really connect with your listeners, your audience, like, like the women out there who, who have been through something similar. I I think it's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Um, As far as my journey goes, I, I, so growing up, I experienced different levels of um, physical and emotional abuse, neglect, a lot of um, very confusing emotions uh, revolving around the family life uh, I grew up in. And I spent a lot of time in my own head as a child, uh, being an only child and feeling that feeling of aloneness started to get heavy, really heavy for me in my teenage years as, uh, you know, most conflicting emotions do. And then you, you have this piling on of hormones and things like that. But when, when you're in a situation where you're so alone in your own head, um, I think all of us will seek a way to, to find that release valve you know, like, like a pressure cooker, you know, you've got to open it up somehow or it'll explode. So I find that my peers were either drinking or drugging, or they were using art or sports or whatever, like that every person kind of found their outlet. And for me, writing in a journal um, and participating in like poetry workshops and stuff was my way of feeling less alone. Mm -hmm. And I remember this pivotal moment, I never thought I wanted to be a writer. I thought writing was just something I was halfway decent at and I enjoyed being alone with my journal, but I never thought to myself that I would ever share my story with the world um, until there was one day I walked into my hometown public library. I was still going to the library at the time. I was probably 16 or 17 and I walked straight into the young adult section And I don't know what it was, but this one particular book, like the spine of the book called out to me from the shelf and I still know exactly what it looked like. And when I picked it up and read the first few pages, I knew I couldn't put it down. And I checked out the book. It was called The Hanged Man by Francesca Leah Block. And looking back now, I'm not sure that I would relate to it as much reading it as an adult now, but at that time in my life, 
it was exactly what I needed. And although it was a fictional story, um, a lot of the character traits and the story patterns and then a lot of parts of the narrative spoke to me as a young person that felt isolated, confused, depressed, anxious, alone. Um, it Reading that book allowed me to see how if I could survive this, if I could get out of this and make it to the other side, that it was going to be my life's purpose mm -hmm. to put my story out there to ensure that if another young woman or another human being walked into a library or a bookstore feeling like they were at the end of their rope or feeling like they were alone at sea, you know, they could pick up my book and say, maybe I'll hang in there. Mm -hmm. I'll hang in there for a little bit longer and we'll see what happens. And it was, it was honestly that concept of saying, I'm not, I'm no longer living for me. I'm living so I can help someone else live. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, it, I understand that to some it may sound melodramatic, but this was really the thing that, that kept me going at, at my lowest times. So writing became a spiritual practice, a learning practice. And, and yes, a lot of that anger and a lot of those emotions come out and, the beautiful part of experiencing those emotions and experiencing them on paper is that we can see patterns in things mm -hmm. and we can acknowledge our own humanity by writing them down and going back and going, look, I'm not as numb as I thought I was. So like, I know during certain periods or bouts of severe depression for me, there was like this, this fog or this numbness that would take over where I would just, I was kind of surviving and I would kind of check out and just go through the motions and I would miss my sense of, of vitality. Like there was, I didn't feel alive. Yeah. And so writing and putting pen to paper, even when I was writing, I feel numb today or things like that. Or when anger might come out, it was a way for cracking, cracking me open and saying, okay, what feelings are really in here? And it, it almost wasn't even conscious in the beginning. Um, but it would eventually pour out. And as I go back to those notebooks and I flip through the things that I wrote, um, whether it's bad poetry or essays or, you know, trying songwriting or just experimenting with my craft. It, it reminds me that even at my lowest points, I was still very much alive. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm glad you just at the end there mentioned like sometimes bad poetry or like experimenting or playing because I think a lot of people, and I've heard this from clients before too, are resistant to the practice, just writing anything because they think it's not going to be good or they think that, that it is being maybe written for somebody else other than their own eyes and just for their own healing process or expressing themselves or getting something off their chest or trying to, 
to be able to digest whatever event happened in their life, like for me, the loss of my brother. And so I hear, because oftentimes I'll tell clients, okay, I really, I think it'd be so super helpful for you to go and journal on this, or here are some journal prompts or an exercise for you to go and write about. And sometimes I'm met with resistance. And I, th I think it's fear um, of like, is this good enough? Or uh, what if somebody reads this? Or maybe even like, they're afraid of what might come out of them. Like they're not, they're not really feeling safe with what actually might come out of their hand if they allowed themselves to really write. What would you say to somebody who was feeling this resistance or fear around starting and just sitting down and actually getting vulnerable enough with themselves to write? So that's a really interesting question because I find that this feeling of resistance is universal. Mm -hmm. All writers, all non-writers, we all experience resistance often when yeah. it comes to writing down anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this could be like a five-minute journal prompt or a book. Yeah. And to be honest with you, when I graduated um, from Emerson with my MFA, I shoved my memoir in a drawer for five, six years because because everything, because all the feelings and because <laughs> there, there was a lot to it. But I'll tell you, I am so familiar with that resistance. And if you are a listener out there and you find yourself avoiding the writing, there are lots of different things I'd like to, you to think about. So for me personally, sometimes I'll avoid the writing because I don't want to re-experience Mm. a memory that hurts. Yeah. Or I'm not in a place where I feel like it's safe to process anger. And the trick for me is to tell myself that I'm showing up to the page either because of the emotions I'm experiencing today or mm -hmm. in spite of the emotions I'm experiencing today. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to equate that to a lot of things in business. Like if you're avoiding showing up live on your Facebook page, if you're avoiding showing up on, on calls, group calls or thing, or showing up in any way in your life, you know, choosing to take the action because it's uncomfortable or in spite of it being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of healing power in that because you start to show yourself who's boss that the fear isn't running the show, that you are running the show. On another level, it's a very real thing to be like, well, I would write a memoir, but I can't publish it until everyone in my family's dead because they might sue me <laughs> or, you know, so-and-so is going to hate me if I write the the truth of how yeah. I or this specific situation happening. Um, I'm sorry. I'm so glad you just said that because <laughs> I, as I was writing my workbook, which I had the honor of you proofreading, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I had those thoughts of, oh, I can't say this and I can't say that. And it's different than what I might write in my journal with the idea or intention that this is just for my eyes. Now I'm writing something for the world's eyes and like, this is my truth, but what if they don't like it? And all these, these like circular thoughts go start running in your brain of 
yeah, I can't publish this till everyone in my family's dead or something. <laughs> like, I totally hear you. That is such a real thing. And it's so valid because it is scary to think that you might upset someone you love or yeah. you might be the recipient of, of a lawsuit or something over what, what you're writing about. And when I talk to other writers and other non-writers about this, I often bring up the fact that audience is a thing. So before I go into this, I'm trying to organize my thoughts here. <laughs> when I was young, I started writing in journals and I, I loved having a diary and having it be a secret. And eventually, I think one of my parents flipped through it and I was in like second grade or something. I was not writing any sort of juicy, dramatic stories or anything. Yeah. But I remember someone in my family saying to me, don't write anything in your journal that you wouldn't want to see published on the front page of the newspaper. Mm. And that was one of my earliest lessons in audience. And it also ignited this inner rebel in me because what this family member was trying to tell me was stop writing because anything you put in writing can and will be used against you. Mm. And what I heard was, fuck it, we don't have any secrets. <laughs> so I came at it and I continued to write the way I wanted to write knowing that at any time anyone could read it, no one could read it, it wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. But going back to those letters you wrote to your brother, that is a key example of using your audience as inspiration mm -hmm. to, to write. So if writing for yourself doesn't feel comfortable and if showing up to the page um, and just jotting down your thoughts, it feels too open-ended for you. You can use audience as a tool mm -hmm. and say, okay, dear, dear brother, you're going to be the only audience member to this. No one else is going to read this. Here's what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Or dear world, this is what I need you to know about my story. And so you can play with audience in that way where you can write in spite of an audience or because of an audience or a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And in terms of not wanting to upset people, yeah, a lot of, this is a huge thing that comes up in memoir programs because memoir, it often confused for autobiography or an autobiography really tells a story in, in sort of a linear fashion with facts and dates and tells the story about what happened and then the end. But memoir is really just a moment in time from one person's particular perspective, which can also be called your inner truth. So this is the truth that we're talking about all the time about like unleashing your truth and, and knowing what your story really is. And the beautiful healing part about writing memoir, even though it's scary, is that you can say, even if others disagree with this, or even if my mother remembers it 
the same situation a different way. Or my father um, remembers a scene or a conversation completely differently than I do. It does not negate the fact that that is my memory. Mm -hmm. And so going into the writing process, or if you're writing about sensitive topics, um, from a spiritual perspective, um, I encourage everyone to, to really practice telling the story as you remember it, as if no one will read it, or as if someone very near and dear and supportive to you were reading it. Mm -hmm. Just not worry about the naysayers right away. Um, or worry about them. Worry about them all over the page. Just like word vomit it up and get it, get it all out. Whatever it is that needs to come out about that concern, mm-hmm. put it on paper. And you can always edit things out later. And yeah. in terms of a more practical approach, generally when, when a writer goes to publish a memoir, um, your agent, like if you, if you publish in the traditional sense, an agent and a publisher and your editor will come to you and say, is there anyone in your life that you perceive may have a problem with this to the extent that they might sue you? Mm. And if you say, yes, I'm concerned about someone in my life, they can provide you counsel on how to kind of navigate that specific situation. Um, but that's pretty far in the weeds. Uh, if you've never written an, an essay or you're not a real journal writer and you're already worried about someone suing you for writing something that they might disagree with or might trigger some negative emotion in them, it's too soon, too soon to worry about it. So I'd say my best piece of advice is to just get it on the page and worry about all that other stuff later. Mm -hmm. Because in general, usually by the time you've allowed your story to hit the page and you've, you've worked it and you've created this, this piece of artwork that is your truth, the people in your life that really matter and who absolutely love you will get to a point, excuse me, where they can say, if this fulfills you and this is your truth, I can accept, I can accept that this isn't how I remember it. I can accept that I might not agree with some of your opinions you express in this piece, but I support you because this is your truth and you needed to tell your story. Yeah. That's so, going great. Perspective. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, can they find peace and honor that for you, with you, and realize that that was part of your healing process? And I think, I mean, it's just like, I could have been at a movie yesterday, and I could have, like, noticed different parts of the movie or taken a different, like, opinion away from the movie than my fiancé did. It's like, we all create our own reality. And so, of course, the details that we remember of an event in our life or a party we went to or a movie we saw are going to be different than the person who might have been sitting right next to us, but they're looking through their own kind of lens of the world and having their own unique experience and perspective of the world. So it makes a lot of sense the way that you worded that and that like, 
the, and the difference between auto, autobiography and me- memoir as well, that like, this is from my point of view, this is how I felt. And, mm. you know, just a reminder to everyone listening too that like their feelings, even if they they are different from the other person that was at the same party or whatever, like are still valid no matter what. And so there's no, like it, there's truth in all of that. So mm-hmm. just, like their own truth and can we be courageous enough and brave enough to actually share our truth? So you know that I, um, <laughs> with my workbook that's about to be published is been something that, I've shared in our mastermind as well that is just there's so many emotions that have come up around it and I put it away for a while and then I got really scared and vulnerable and then I would get really inspired and go oh the world needs to hear this message and there was just so many emotions going through my mind in the back end that really I, I wasn't sharing with the world at the time it was all just happening behind the scenes but there were moments when I had major blocks around writing. When you, because like you said, we all experience this, whether mm-hmm. we're professional writers or we're journaling or like maybe, again, we haven't even started into this practice because there's a block to begin with. So we haven't even started or tried. But when people are experiencing writer's block or variations and different flavors of that, what, what's your best advice for someone that might be publishing something or might just be wanting to write for fun, but goes, Oh, I just, something's stopping me from doing this. Yes. So this is something that is, I'm extremely familiar with having shoved my book in a drawer for five years, right. five, six years. Um, and it is frustrating. Writer's block can be painful and frustrating. And it can also be a, a delicious, way to avoid things. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, we get blocked for all sorts of reasons. And I find that creating a ritual around a writing practice mm-hmm. is really helpful. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I created for, for my people is a quick like wisdom flow ritual that kind of incorporates all of the, the senses and all of the elements and allows you to move through a a physical and spiritual process to sort of set the mood, get in the zone and sit down and write. And apart from creating a sacred space uh, to sit down and do your writing or setting a timer for yourself or setting reminders on your calendar to to write with consistency. Um, Before we even get into that, I would honestly tell everyone listening to this that putting pressure on yourself is the biggest thing that can block you. So if you're showing up to the page, to your computer, to your phone, the notes app or whatever, like, and you expect yourself to write something brilliant, it'll, you may come up to some resistance. You may start to feel like, ugh, I don't want to do this. This is pointless. I don't have anything meaningful to say. Mm-hmm. Or if you are preventing yourself from writing because you think your parents might read it or your grandparents or your second grade teacher might be offended, um, that's, something that you will have to consciously talk yourself out of 
on occasion. It helps to have support. It helps to have other friends who are engaging in the writing practice. It's very similar to yoga. I mean, Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of reasons to avoid getting on your mat in the morning when you don't feel good, when you're tired and you just want to hit the snooze button or you'd rather be doing something else. But if you know that yoga is what helps you limber up and helps you emotionally, spiritually, physically feel better, then you sort of make that effort to just show up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter how flexible you are that day or whether you lose your balance five times or you're crying in half pigeon pose, which is something I do often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it doesn't quite matter. What matters is that you showed up. Yeah. So even if you sit down at your desk and you set a timer for three minutes and all you write is fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and, but this, the point is, is that you showed up and you put pen yeah. to paper and the following day, it might be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned the hard way from avoiding writing for five or six years is that the longer you keep things locked up on the inside. I mean, at least for me, the sicker I got, the more miserable I got, the more I started turning to things like um, pharmaceutical medications and sugar and other like spending money, distractions to try and make myself feel better or try and process these emotions when I knew all along that writing was my favorite tool to pull these things out of me. So, so all of these feelings and thoughts and ideas and visions and fears, pulling them out of my physical body. Mm -hmm. So they're not stuck inside you anymore. Um, just like, I knew that that was the thing that made me feel better, but Mm -hmm. I, I was at a point where I wasn't, I wasn't showing up for me. So I would just say that take it easy on yourself, show up as often as you can and show up even when you're imperfect and when it's hard Mm -hmm. and when it's uncomfortable because sometimes those are the moments when the best writing happens, when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I feel like when I have been in the shittiest places, it has been when what what I fa- I kind of realized later, I don't think I realized this at the time, but when I've gone back and reread some of those things, those were the most truthful, the most honest, and the most powerful. And they weren't always easy to write, but that showing up in those moments was always worth it, I guess is what I'm mm. trying to say. So we can write about the past and we can use writing as a method to healing parts of us that have experienced, well, the whole rainbow of emotions and traumas and for many of the listeners, chronic illness. But how can we use writing also as a manifestation practice or for the future? So I find that First of all, writing to heal and writing using um, to exercise your your vocabulary around emotion um, or writing to analyze 
your past and, and finding those patterns can allow you to rewrite the ending to your own story mm. or rewriting the next chapter to your own life. So you're sort of expanding your ability to visualize. You're expanding your your ability to get very specific about your desires. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, I, I've seen women go from writing, you know, 200 words about their ideal client or their ideal life or what they want for their future or what their purpose is to writing four notebooks filled, filled with these beautiful poetic sentences Mm -hmm. about how they envision their future to be. And the more you read and the more you write and the more you're practicing, um, this, this artwork really, um, you sort of gain perspective on yourself and on the world and you can create a more vivid three, four, five dimensional image of Mm -hmm. what it is that you really want. And as we know, visualization is an extremely powerful tool in creating a future that you want in making some significant mindset shifts and um, like, just changing the flow or the pattern of thoughts in your mind throughout the day. Um, this, all of it lends itself to, to that visualization, that planning process. Um, so looking into the future and using writing as that tool uh, to visualize and to plan and to set goals um, it can kind of become like a magic wand for you. You know, you write it down and all of a sudden you're, you're manifesting it. Or I know for me, sometimes I'll, I'll come to my notebook and I'll write down a thing I want and I'll say, okay, Krista, get more specific. So, um, I want to make more money. Well, how much more money do I want to make? When do I want to make it by? How do I want to make, do I want to make it doing, something extremely difficult and arduous or would I like this process to be easy and flowy and delightful? Mm -hmm. Um, Then I can literally write a story about how I am going to achieve this thing and going back to look over that description and say, okay, is this realistic? Is this something I think I could really do? Are there pieces of this, um, this image that are missing? is there something that I would like to learn before I take the next step in this vision? Is there something else I'd like to heal or examine about myself or does something in my life need to be um, released or, you know, all of the questions that we ask ourselves, like it, it's mm-hmm. essentially self coaching. Yeah. Hmm. I find too that, I used to set my goals in a way that were very like just fact based. This is what I want. This is the thing like bam Mm -hmm. done. And I would never include more detail or all of the senses in what it would actually feel like to have that as my reality right now, right today, or like living as that, that next level self that I wanted to step into. And writing has always not forced, but encouraged me to get more specific with what it is that I actually wanted and bringing in all of those senses. And what I've found really helpful in my own writing practice, which I totally have a love-hate relationship with, by the way, Mm -hmm. but is 
asking the right questions. And I, I found that I didn't know what questions to be asking myself or like prompts to be using in the beginning, because again, it's like, you know what you know, and you know what you don't know. Like, I know that I don't know how to ride a motorcycle, mm-hmm. but like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> I yeah. Think that, like within that kind of part of my not knowing was what the heck, like, do I, where do I start? And like, what prompts are going to be the ones that pull out the most potent, powerful pieces of me that challenge me to go deeper, to get more specific and to make, like, have the transformations that I love that you said, like it can be a self-healing practice. Mm -hmm. So do you have any suggestions for listeners on asking themselves the right questions that are going to get them the empowering answers or any specific question prompts that you could share with us for people who are kind of wanting to, after this episode, go and take action? Hmm. So yes, off the top of my head, uh, one of the writing prompts that I often give to my students and my clients just to get started is sitting down and writing what you see. Um, So oftentimes sitting on a beach, at a desk, uh, in a cafe, just start writing about what you see and write everything you know about that thing. So if you're looking at a cup of coffee, you can start there. And it seems really um, benign or mundane, um, but it can get the wheels turning a little bit. And all of a sudden, you'll find that you're talking about the scent of something that reminds you of someone else. And all of a sudden, you're writing about a memory Mm. or you're writing about a deep desire that you have. Um, That can be a helpful prompt that feels very light and unintimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some other prompts that I really love. Let's see. Um, let's see. One of one of my clients uh, really loved this one, and and she actually it helped her actually write the chapter that would introduce her book. So one of them is. Start your piece with the sentence, I never thought it would happen, and then it did. Mm. Or, let's see, there are some other ones. Mm. What other ones have I used? I think sometimes we get stuck, too, in, like, yes or no, you know? like mm, The yes or no questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So I don't know if you ever heard this, but in middle school, I remember learning about skinny questions and fat questions. <laughs> um, so a skinny question is where you get yes, no, up, down, blue, the number seven, mm-hmm. West, you know, like the, these are one word answers. Those are skinny questions. Mm-hmm. Um, fat questions are the ones that require a fatter answer. So a fatter paragraph, something long and luscious and just lots of explanation and lots of angles that that require you to really think. So anything where you can ask the question why or how, Mm -hmm. or um, like I, I just flipped to a page in my notebook that says, uh, like, why are you, the characters in this piece worth loving? Mm. Like, asking yourself, why am I worth loving? 
it, that's a huge question in itself. And you could write for days on that and you can write about how you feel about that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that make you feel uncomfortable in some way? And oh yeah. Like that's one similar to one I ask myself whenever I'm launching a new program. So I have some questions I usually ask myself as I'm putting a program together and then also in the launch of a new offer. And one of them is like, why is this valuable? Like what value does this actually bring to my community? And sometimes it is uncomfortable because I'm like, well, part of the value is me. And now I have to like show, not, not like prove in this, like I have to prove myself way, but like be like, no, I actually am really fucking valuable. And this is why. And it can be uncomfortable for a moment, but like, why am I worth loving? Why am I valuable? Like what skills do I bring to the table? And like you said, those why questions sometimes make us think a little bit deeper. Mm, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I have pages and pages full of notes of, mm. of different things. I, I would honestly also suggest that you write about a time when you were epically badly behaved. <laughs> Just like confessions are yeah. come out to be some of the best writing because mm. as it can be, uncomfortable to brag about the ways that we're so awesome and lovable and deserving of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. um, it's also important that we acknowledge that we're completely imperfect and sometimes we can be a hot mess. Yeah. And every human is badly behaved at some point. Yeah. Every person has a regret that they want to write about um, or that they might not want to write about, but they should write about. <laughs> um, I think so writing scenes where you were badly behaved or where someone you know was very badly behaved allows you to step back and show empathy for either yourself or the person you're speaking about because you have, it creates um, new perspectives around yeah. certain situations. Mm -hmm. um, I just honor the, the people of the world too who are brave enough to then share that, right? So it's like the books that I've loved most and the the Facebook posts that I always read are the ones that are most honest and truthful and don't paint this like perfect picture and instead mm. talk about when they were badly behaved or what they do regret or the time that, you know, they weren't perfect or that they did feel a negative emotion that I think sometimes we're afraid to even admit that we have. And mm -hmm. those are the things that I resonate with the most. And I always, I'm so grateful for the, the brave people of the world, men and women who show up and share those stories or write about that in a book because it makes me feel like seen, heard, understood in a really powerful way. Absolutely. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because just a few days ago, I found myself avoiding sitting down at my laptop to write, or I, I found myself avoiding doing anything to do with my business for a few days. And I had to sit down and ask myself, what's going on? And I had to sit down and acknowledge that I was feeling really angry. Mm -hmm. There was a situation in my personal life that made me want to spit. I was so pissed off. Mm -hmm. And 
what I decided to do in that moment, instead of avoiding or instead of like diving into a pint of ice cream, which is also one of my favorite ways to process <laughs> emotions, um, I decided to write a Facebook post that said, you know what, I'm really angry right now. And the last thing I want when I'm really, really angry or upset is for a self-development fairy to show up and shove gratitude lists and affirmations in my face. I can't stand that because it doesn't make you feel seen or heard. It feels like someone slapping a bandaid on a bullet wound Yeah, and they're not really acknowledging what's, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So what I like to emphasize to my clients is that you are allowed to show up when you are angry, when you are sad, when you are having um, moments of jealousy, moments of envy, mo- like these things that make us um, vulnerable humans. I mean, we we are ugly at times. We're beautiful at other times. We're we're dynamic, complex beings, and showing up as you in your most dynamic, complex form is what is going to magnetically attract your people. Yeah. The people who resonate with your message, the people who who are just drawn to your light, whether that means as readers, whether it means as clients, like it, what a, friends, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, showing up and being honest about your emotions, being honest about mistakes you've made, And then talking about what you're learning from it. And even if that's in the moment, even if, you know, at the time that I wrote this post, I was like, I'm still pretty angry Mm -hmm. and, and I'm here. And I want you to know that like, as self-development people, as, as people who love to focus on positivity and love and light, life isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. And we get to feel our feelings and they are valid and we are still allowed to show up in a way that helps others, even yeah. if we're, we're not perfect in that moment. Mm-hmm. And what I like to tell my clients is that sometimes writing when you're in that space um, can come out messy, but it's beautiful for connecting because you're coming to the table as your most authentic self. And it's complex and nuanced and people get a really clear up close view about what it's like to live inside your head mm-hmm. which is essentially what everyone wants we just <laughs> want that connection with another human that's like oh wait i'm not crazy yeah. i'm not alone mm-hmm. um, and when you write about this in your journal that's one step for processing those emotions and one step for showing up for yourself but -hmm. when you're taking them to a public forum and you're allowing others to read it and you're allowing other people to connect and engage with with your very raw work that's your most authentic marketing tool yeah i mean you're you're not only soothing it's it's almost like a self-soothing practice Mm because you can say i'm owning my emotions i'm not in, I'm not living my best life today, mm-hmm. but I'm still showing up. Mm-hmm. And that is a great way to get others to feel heard and seen and valued, to acknowledge yourself as someone who is worth 
feeling heard, seen, and valued. Mm-hmm. And it's just a win all around. I feel, I feel like so many entrepreneurs and so many humans show up feeling like they need to censor themselves to please the reader, to please the audience, you know, don't offend anyone, you know, make sure you're edited, you know, put a little of, it's like putting a filter on a photograph. Yeah. Um, and it does because they want to soften the blow for everyone else. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Don't soften the blow because the sooner you take that filter off and the sooner you stop editing, like self editing and assuming what everyone's going to think or feel when they read something, the sooner you let go of all of that, the sooner your most authentic self will come through and you won't really need to market anymore. You won't have to use the top 10 persuasive tactics to get people to open your emails. Like you, you won't need it because the wisdom just comes from you. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And it's something that I, I've learned in my business and I definitely in the beginning thought, I don't, I think just whatever the world maybe was saying, like, or I was interpreting in my reality was like, I should cover up all my imperfections and not share the parts of me that were the most real. But when I started to play with the practice of honesty and vulnerability in truth and imperfection was also when my business actually started to grow and be profitable and exponentially blow up because again i was actually speaking truth versus putting on that filter like you would on a picture within my own content and it's just mm-hmm. it's so powerful it's healing for the the writer to share their story and it's healing for the reader to be able to see themselves in somebody else. So absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that story is a mirror of my own story, my own success story. And it was only when I decided to start writing again and I decided to start showing up without that filter, Mm -hmm. um, that my business started to take off. And when I started to feel confident enough to say, you know what, I, I can show up. I can try this work and I can help people even if I can't help everyone or I can't do it perfectly for Instagram. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things. And, and, um, I also want, you know, had a thought as you were speaking where when, when you're writing memoir, when you're writing about times when you were hurt by others or, or, when your life took a real hard left turn or something like that. Like it's, it can be really scary to show up without a filter in those times. And it can also feel awkward when you're writing about someone else's mistakes Mm -hmm. and when you're writing about times when someone else really hurt you and there was nothing you could do about it. And one of the most powerful lessons that 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 whole writing process taught me was forgiveness. I mean, it, it took a long time and it took writing hundreds of pages of memories Mm -hmm. and reflection on the times that I thought myself to be a victim or I felt hurt and resentful and afraid and things like that where I would be writing about someone else and about what they did to me, 
-hmm. But through the writing, I found that doorway to say, is there any possible way I could forgive them? Mm -hmm. And if it is possible to forgive them, could I possibly forgive myself for anything? (laughs) And, And if I can't forgive them, why? And if I can't forgive myself, why? And when you, when you start asking all of those questions and tacking a why on the end, mm-hmm. there's this endless expanse of possibilities for the writing, for your own self-growth, for discovery, for, for finding these, these new understandings that you never thought you'd come to. And honestly, I feel like I'm discovering something new about myself every time I sit down to write. Yeah. And no matter how much you write or how much you get published, you're always going to want to go back and edit things. You're always going to, you know, think back and say, oh my gosh, that poetry, it was so bad. And at the time you're like, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the life of a writer. It's the yeah. life of a storyteller and it's the life of a healer. You know, you, you just keep learning and growing and it's a, it's a humbling practice. It, it's a practice that requires some courage and some faith and strength, but it's, it's just, it's been the thing that saved my life. Amazing. That's a perfect, perfect spot to wrap things up. So I'd love for you to share just how people can learn more about you, get involved, what offers you have available right now. And especially if people, I think I saw on your website, actually, like a freebie on creating that kind of ritual around setting the sacred space for your, for for sitting down to writing as well. So I'd love for people to be able to indulge in all that. Yes. So you can... Find all the things at my website, um, intuitive-inc, so that's I-N-K.com. Um, and right on that homepage, you'll find a link to my wisdom flow ritual, mm-hmm. which is like a 12 or 13 step process. Um, it's really quick. It should take um, you less than 15, 10 minutes to um, kind of set the mood, set the space. It kind of gets you into this feeling like writing can feel really luxurious and really, um, it kind of sets it up as a self care practice as opposed to a chore, mm-hmm. which is how it can feel sometimes when yeah. your coach says to you, sit down and write in your journal. You know, you don't want it to always feel like homework. Right. Um, so this sort of re the, the ritual that I put together, uh, really just kind of flips that whole homework icky assignment feeling and and turns it into something kind of fun and relaxing and it's supposed to feel good and when it feels good you'll come back to it yeah so (laughs) right now I am leading a group workshop called write with abandon um, which is a it's a online coaching program slash writers workshop slash speakeasy type party thing. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's awesome. I'm loving the ladies that are in that. And I will be running another round of that group course in September. Um, but I am also offering a three month one-to-one program called the word witch. And it's where we, 
I just work one-to-one with clients who are looking to um, start a book, finish a book, or they're looking to create better um, writing for life and healing, or they're looking to clean up their website copy or be better writers online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really for anyone who wants to engage with the art of writing as a healing practice and as a business builder. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to just guide them through that process and support them, support them in this journey. Amazing. So I hope everyone goes and checks you out at intuitive-inc.com. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Krista. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This is a really wonderful experience and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Healing Uncensored podcast. I'm on Nantucket Island right now on vacation and my fiance said that he was going to help me out with this outro because I've tried five times and the words are not coming out of my mouth. So... He's going to help. Hey, gang. It's Andrew. I'm Sarah's fiance. Um, She has a hard time asking for reviews. So, you know, if you can, pop over to iTunes, give her a review. It really helps with her feedback because she makes this podcast for you guys. And she wants to know what she can do better, what she's doing right, and basically how to make it optimized and the best she can for you. So pop over there, leave her a review. Uh, give her good feedback, bad feedback, everything in in between, whatever you need to do. And uh, she'll keep working hard to make this the best she can for you. Thanks, babe. And thank you to all the listeners. (laughs) We love you. And whenever I hear from any of you in my DMs or on email, it, it lights up my day. It's just these little sparks of joy that it just makes me really happy to know that there's people on the other side listening and this is impacting your life in some way so thank you for tuning in and i'll see you next time